Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week eight, day four of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 23, 1 through 11. Welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs. And before we get started today, I want to encourage you to remember to read the book of Acts 10 times in the 10 weeks that we're going through it. So let's read it one time per week. It really will transform the way that you encounter the Lord and his word. With that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to encounter you. We want to know you more through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. I'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 23, starting in verse 1. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At, that, at this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, how dare you insult God's high priest? Paul replied, brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest. For it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. So if there's any doubt at any point in all of this that Paul is a Jew, an adherent of Jewish laws, customs, traditions, all of those things. He's doing it. I mean, even this, he's absolutely correct in what he said. And even that, since it was a, a derogatory thing to say, he immediately repented of it because he says the law doesn't allow me to do that. Right? So if, if there's any question about whether or not Paul believes in the law, speaks against it, any of that. It's out of, out of question. He even, he goes out of his way here to be obedient to the Jewish law. Verse six, then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and the others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, my brothers, I am a Pharisee descended from the Pharisees. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but Pharisees believe all these things. Incidentally, uh, the, the Pharisees eventually, to some extent, kind of die out because all of the, the Talmudic writings that we have kind of moving forward tend toward the theological positions of the Pharisees. There's the, the Talmud and, and rabbinic tradition is full of angels and spirits and all of this kind of stuff. And, and so all of the extra biblical teaching that is, and so we know that it's not being generated by the Sadducees. The, the Sadducees, you know, essentially they said there is no resurrection. It's just this life that we have now. We have to obey God during this life. Um, the Pharisees believed in a resurrection. Now, what Paul is saying here is true. He is there on account of the resurrection because he's saying that Jesus is the resurrection. He is the, the Messiah that we put our hope in. He is the firstborn from the dead, which Paul talks about, and that we inherit that eternal life. We inherit that resurrection through him. 
So in a way, he is telling the truth. He is there on account of his belief in the resurrection of the dead. What he leaves out is he's talking specifically about Jesus. And he does this on purpose. He is a Pharisee. He was trained as a Pharisee. He knows the Pharisees. And he knows who's in the room. He knows who he's talking to. And this is a pretty cunning, deft move on his part. Because he, he says, hey, I'm here because of my belief in the resurrection of the dead. And then all of a sudden, you know, all of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're angry because they think Paul is trying to tear Judaism apart. And now all of a sudden, wait a second, all the Pharisees are like, he's one of us. He believes in the resurrection of the dead. You Pharisees, you terrible Pharisees, you don't believe in that. So Paul essentially does this, I mean, genius political move, if you will, and gets them to he finds the schism between these two factions of people. And, and this is um, historical. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they essentially, their, their political beef with one another goes back a couple hundred years and actually led to Rome invading and essentially taking over Israel really without a fight because of these these two groups kind of uh, petulant fighting with one another that we see here. <clears throat> and so he knows this is going to work. He knows beyond a shadow of a doubt this is going to work. And so he is pitting them against each other instead of against him. <laughs> Verse 9, there was a great uproar. And some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? Again, the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, and they don't believe in spirits or angels or anything like that. And so this is them sticking their finger in the Sadducees' eyes, and the Sadducees are going to get angry about this. And so they're going to fight back and forth. As we see here, verse 10, the dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops go down and take him away from them and by force and bring him into the barracks. Understand this. This is the 71 people. This is the Sanhedrin. This is the 71 people, religious leaders in charge of the governance of the nation of Israel. This is essentially Congress and everything all rolled into one. This is the body of people that are supposed to be the teachers of Israel. They're supposed to be the governors of Israel. They're supposed to be the elders of this holy, set-apart people of God. And they are, again, so petulant and small in this moment. What we see here is they turn violent over this. So much so that literally the commander thinks that they are going to tear Paul apart. Now, we know from times past that this is uh, not without precedence. We know what happened to the prophet Isaiah and extra biblical accounts and and Haggai and some of the other prophets. And, and so there is, um, it's been hundreds of years, but this is, would not be without precedence that the governing body of the group, the, the rulers of Israel would lose it and do this to someone. So this is a, a, a violent community of people in almost a riotous way. Uh, 
I don't want to say this and and it be perceived as an anti-Semitic thing because this is not, um, this is not because they're Jews. This is because they are unredeemed in their thinking. And Jesus himself said this about this group of people. Now, some of the people that were on the Sanhedrin are no longer on it from the time of Jesus. There's been turnover, but some of them probably are the same people, but it's the same spirit. It's the same thing behind these people. And they are uh, of unredeemed mind with political gain and manipulation on their minds and hearts. And that's not a Jewish thing. That's a, a, a human nature thing, right? You can go into any, any body of governance around the world. I mean, all the way down to a school board, I mean, we've even seen, and because of the prevalence of, of just conflict and people recording with their cell phone cameras and, and people sharing things online, you can see really awful displays of, uh, of, of men and women on the smallest governing bodies in America using their authority and, and everything that they have at their disposal to just be terrible. And that's what's going on here. That's exactly what's going on here. So this is, I don't want to, I don't want to make this sound like this is anti-Semitic, like it's all oh, these Jews are terrible. It's not Jews. It's not that these people are Jews and that's their problem. It's that they're, they're unredeemed, very unredeemed humans. And we see that all the time. And we, you can find examples of that in church of redeemed people acting and behaving very badly. So this is a human nature thing, not a Jewish thing, not a Sanhedrin thing. But they are terrible here. (laughs) Let's continue on. Verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So this, man, if I'm Paul, I'm going to think back to this word and, and remember that Luke is writing this long after the fact. Long after the fact, this is this is being written with hindsight. Uh, Luke is not actively journaling all of this, and it's just a, it's it's just Luke's journal put here. He's he's taken some time. He's he's written this, edited it, and so this is after the fact. Thinking back, after Paul has been in prison in Caesarea for a long time, and then Rome for several years. I mean, Paul's got a, f- a minimum five year journey here ahead of him. I was a minimum of four years, four, four and a half, five years, something like that ahead of him before he is ever going to testify, at least before Caesar in Rome. And I imagine that especially during the two years he's going to spend in jail for no reason other than, than the Roman governor hoping that he gets a bribe. I imagine Paul is going to be thinking back to this, thinking, wow, I've testified here and now I'm going to go to Rome very shortly and testify. And it's years away, years of ridiculous, nonsensical imprisonment for no reason under false pretenses. Everything that he's going to go through, it's going to be so hard, but the Lord is speaking this to him. And I think I think Paul is telling Luke and, and, and Luke is along for this journey as well. I think that that Luke understood that this is a powerful moment for Paul. The Lord spoke this to him: "Is don't don't worry, 
Take courage. You are going to testify in Rome. And I think we're going to see, as we as we go through the last few chapters here of the book of Acts, we're going to see Paul's confidence that he is absolutely going to make it to Rome. The Lord stood next to him and spoke this to him. And so when they, they're they on this like horrible storm and everyone's afraid they're going to die. Paul's not afraid. Paul doesn't, Paul knows they're not going to die. He knows they're going to get safely to shore. When a snake's going to bite him, he knows he's going to get there because the Lord has told him he is going to testify in Rome. Paul at this point has every confidence that he is essentially immortal until he makes it to Rome. Maybe he'll testify one day in Rome and he is going to die there. He doesn't know that, but he knows he's going to make it to Rome. And we see that level of confidence in Paul throughout the rest of the book. I think that is so, so powerful. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.